At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hello, my brother, hello. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for Custom Cuss Heaps with myself, Greg Heaps Pierce, and now part of the Beeson Family and Podcast, and we've got a great podcast for you. We're going to be able to keep this one to two parts. I want to try to keep things as limited commercial slash commercial free as possible, so we're going to be getting into the interview that I had with Eli Becker in just a minute, the founder of EchexCBB, a man that does amazing work as he's based out on the West Coast, much like myself in Seattle. We're going to be talking with them about the Manhattan ordeal, when we might see Jose Perez be able to take the floor for West Virginia. On top of that, a lot of the buzz from this weekend was about these exhibition games, things like Tennessee being able to take down Gonzaga by double figures, Texas dump trucking, Arkansas, list goes on and on. So we're going to be talking about that. And then I'm also going to be throwing out there teams that he is a little bit more bullish on coming into the season. He's going to bring up some West Coast teams that he is feeling quite warm about. So we're going to be talking about that with Eli. And we're down to six days until the start of the college basketball season. So if there is something that you want answered on this podcast or address, got one or two ways to be able to throw those in because I want to do everything humanly possible to get you guys set for a profitable season. First way, Twitter timeline, at GNNR Squirty1. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you, fire it in there, and that is the main way, and that is the best way. The other way, that is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast by that five-star review. Did not get in any Twitter questions today, and a little bit of heads up. Got one conference preview left in the Pac-12. Most likely, we'll be doing that during the middle of the week. I'm getting things sorted out there. All other conference previews have already been done, so take a look at where you find Coast to Coast Soups, wherever your podcast, take a look at the list, and if you're looking for something like the Atlantic Sun, the ACC, major conferences, mid-majors, low-majors, I've got you all covered there, and Eli has us all covered when it comes to great college basketball information as well, over there at HXCBB, and he is a man that you're able to follow on Twitter, at Bedker underscore Eli, last name is spelled B-O-E-T-T-G-E-R underscore, and then Eli, that is the Twitter handle for him, and Eli, it's always great to have you, Port. Thank you. Yeah, thanks much for having me on, Greg. We can expect the last show before we get the season started, at least on my end, so I'm excited to get into this one. I am excited as well, and I am very excited to see what we're going to be getting this season, as I know there were a lot of people enthralled by what we saw at the exhibitions over the weekend, with Tennessee taking it to Gonzaga, and then you saw Texas completely bopping the floor with Arkansas. How much do you make out of these exhibitions? Because certainly, I do think that there are a few takeaways with like someone like Zakai Ziegler. I think that 
He's going to be very solid for Tennessee. I'm stock up on him a little bit with what we saw, but I don't think by any stretch of the imagination, if you had like Gonzaga at number two, like I did coming into the season, that now they follow the top 10 or anything like that. I think that it is very important to note the motivations of each team and note that there are a lot of teams that are going to be trying to mix a match in the exhibitions because, well, they're exhibitions for a reason. They do not count on the final scorecard. I'm with you on that. I think that everything this time of year needs to be taken with a grain of salt in most aspects besides, I guess, the foreign tours. This is really the first opportunity for coaches to see what their players look like against competition that isn't their own. So these coaches are rolling out in all likelihood new lineups, new rotations. They're seeing what their freshmen look like in competitive environments seeing what their transfers look like in competitive environments. At this time of year, I'm most curious in what starting fives look like and seeing what the newcomers look like and see how they gel. Even then, you have to kind of take in consideration that the starting fives that we may see this past weekend or this past week may look different than they are next week when the season tips off. I think a lot of coaches are just mixing and matching with what they have because the offseason is an interesting time for, for college basketball coaches, and we've seen it tweeted out here in recent days that I think coaches just are increasingly unaware of what they actually have in store heading into the season because injuries so often decimate rosters with most teams now are you know turning over at least half of their roster in terms of minutes from the previous season. So it's a lot of newcomers and things that have to mesh and come together. So in terms of the individual results, Gonzaga, Tennessee, I would say that a lot of people are buying into Gonzaga this year. I don't think that should change at all based on the exhibition. We've seen a few players maybe develop some different traits. We saw uh, Timmy do some nice things in this game. I think Tennessee looked the part uh, as as they should. They're expected to be one of the primary contenders for the SEC title. You mentioned the guy like Zagai Ziegler. I think he's going to be phenomenal here in year two. And that's a Tennessee team with a lot of upside, and I think it's really only positives that come out of these types of things. I will say, though, that the exception to that is what we saw with Louisville losing to uh, oh. Lamar Ryan, which is uh, was a sub-500 D2 team last year. They've, they have had some players that transferred into the D1 level in recent seasons, so it's not an unknown uh, Division II program. It's actually a fairly strong one, but... When it's a first-year coach, it is a program that has high expectations, even in down years, so to speak. I I have to say that this is probably a bit of a wake-up call, and there are people who are kind of skeptical of what the roster building looked like with Louisville this season. I think that the backcourt is certainly suspect and has a long way to go, but scoring 47 points and losing by 10 and and uh, not even a closed-door scrimmage is a true exhibition game. That's got to be at least a cause for concern. Louisville's probably going to have their growing pains this upcoming season. They've got a long way to go here in their first year, but you want to at least take care of business. We saw it happen with Louisville. Syracuse had to battle for for 30, 35 minutes in their exhibition as well. So I guess it it all is taken with a grain of salt, but it's, it's still curious to see kind of what these coaches do with their rotations, who's playing big minutes, what the freshmen look like and what the transfers look like. And I think ultimately those are the biggest takeaways from this past week. Yep, I agree with you on Louisville losing to a D2 school that was sub-500 last year. That is not too terrific to say the least. I thought that Louisville was going to be in the bottom three of the ACC and I'm still going to put them out of Georgia Tech just because if you look at that roster, it's pretty grody right now, but it's a backward of LLs. L. Ellis and also L. Ellis. <laughs> and it's not what you want to see there. It's Eli Becker who does great work over at He Checks CBB. 
joining me on the podcast. I think that that was very well said by you on those exhibitions. And something else that I think is worth taking a look at is everything that's went on with Manhattan, because no question, that is a team that's just completely decimated right now. And we did see Jose Perez on Sunday announce that he's going to be going to West Virginia. But I think the big question that I've got, and I'm not sure if you have any sort of an answer, because I don't think anyone has an answer to this. When Jose Perez and then the other guys that entered into the transfer portal, like Samba Diallo, Omar Silviero, those two guys have not really made a decision as to where they're going. When they might be eligible, slash if they might be eligible, because we've just never seen a scenario where a guy enters into the transfer portal due to a coaching firing less than two weeks before the start of the season and is able to play immediately that season. Jose Perez, I think, could do a little bit of something for West Virginia, but I just think that this is a very strange scenario, and I just don't know if this is going to be a move that helps out West Virginia at all, just because I'm not sure if he hits the floor or not. I don't know. It's a curious one. A pretty unusual situation for a program that, as far as we know, at least from an encore perspective, isn't in some sort of disarray. And Manhattan was projected to be one of the teams to compete for the league title in the Metro Atlantic this year behind the preseason player of the year in Perez. This is a team that had a ton of experience. They have several fifth-year guys. Almost their entire rotation is fifth-year guys mixing them with a couple underclassmen. But this is a very talented team. You touched on Omar Silverio a little bit. He was absolutely phenomenal with posture this past season. And Sama Diallo, some of these guys are productive. Anthony Nelson's a double-digit scorer coming back. So this was supposed to be a very, very good team. And for it to all blow up in the manner that it did, it's all pretty shocking. But as far as what happens from here, it's kind of a big unknown now that Perez is going to head to West Virginia. I can't say that I like the fit very much. I I think Jose Perez has quite a ways to go defensively, at least as far as being a legitimate Big 12 defender. He's more of kind of a ball-dominant guy you can create at an above-decent level. For a guy listed at 6'5", 220, he draws fouls. He's able to finish through contact. But he's not an efficient scorer. He needs the ball in his hands a lot. And I just don't know how well that fits in with what West Virginia is doing. It's not necessarily a knock on Bob Huggins, who's a legendary coach in his own right. But next to some of these guys in this lineup, you know, Eric Stevenson, he's not a very efficient scorer, although he's another guy who's taken a lot of shots throughout his career. Emmett Matthews, he's coming over from University of Washington. He's certainly had his highs, but he's had plenty of games where he hasn't really made that much of an impact either. I don't know how this fits, even if it does, because we could be talking about something that ultimately doesn't even come to fruition. If I had to just guess based on how these things have gone in the past, and it is such a unique situation... I'd imagine he tries to at least attempts to play right away. But even if that doesn't go through, I'd imagine he's probably a guy who becomes eligible in the second semester and you get him for the last couple of months of the season. But it's not only a player transferring up, it's a player who's transferring up to a completely new system into arguably the most competitive league in all of college basketball. And it's a player who, I would say, quite honestly, there are probably question marks about how he fits into this team. It's just a little unusual. So I hope that it all works out for Perez and for the other players who enter the transfer portal because they absolutely do not deserve to have this circumstance happen to them. They should be thinking about competing for a Metro Atlantic title right now as opposed to finding out which school they want to attend because their coach was terminated just a week before the season. So it's a messy situation all together and... I hope that if there are any sort of appeals involved or any sort of eligibility applications involved, I hope that 
the NCAA handles it the right way, which is sometimes wishful thinking. But obviously, none of these players knew this was going to happen. And for them to be the ones who are taking the brunt of all this isn't really fair. And you just hope what's what's best for them is ultimately what happens. Let's think at the end of the day, that's got to be the conclusion of all this. I do hope that you're able to see Jose Perez out there on the floor. Certainly don't think it's going to be first semester just because for any student, it takes a little bit of time to be able to transfer over. You can't just do that in the middle of a semester, no matter who you are. But that said, certainly at the beginning of the second semester, you would like to see Jose Perez. I have my question marks as to what he's going to be able to do in the Big East because we did see him in the Big Ten a few seasons ago with Marquette. Didn't go so great there, but did absolutely tear it up with Manhattan. So perhaps second time around is going to be the charm for him. But that is certainly a situation that I think that we are going to be hearing quite a bit about it towards the beginning part of the season. I don't think that it's going to be cleared up within the next week or so. And something that is going to be very unclear the next week or so is what we're going to be getting opening night as well as Eli Becker of Heat CBB is joining me on the podcast. Eli, I know that you guys over there at he checked CBB along with the three-man weave at Field of 68. All did a great job with the Almanac. I know you did a lot of research for that. And as you've been doing your research, because I know that all of you guys took a few conferences and now you guys have been able to really check over others' work, has there been a few teams that, as you've been diving in a little bit more these last few weeks, that you're either feeling a little bit better or a little bit worse on for the upcoming season? Because it is the time in which... I feel like we always start to second guess some of our projections from earlier in the season are just flat out. Perhaps some of us, we just miss a little bit. I am willing to say that I did that a little bit with a few teams I previewed as well. But that said, are there any teams that over the last few weeks, as you've been diving in, you're starting to feel a little bit better slash worse about? Yeah, you know, one of the teams that I've been intrigued by, there are several of programs who I think are kind of in, or they want to call it the mid-major leagues, but in the likes of, say, the Mountain West, A-10, WCC, some of those types of conferences, I think there's a lot of intrigue from those leagues this season because what we're seeing now with a lot of the teams out of those levels is oftentimes these programs are a mix of upperclassmen starters or former all-leaguers or or returning all-league players, and sometimes that's mixed with high major transfers who are now moving down a level and you also have players who are rising up a level so I think ultimately it's not really a bad time to be one of the programs from say the WCC the Mountain West or the A-10 some of those leagues that throw the Missouri Valley in there as well I think one of the teams that for whatever reason I think we're not talking a whole lot about is St. Mary's and they're coming off one of their best program or one of their best seasons in program history this past year they cruised their way into the tournament they made all the way to Maui Invitational title game earlier in the season. They picked up a number of quality wins, beat Gonzaga by 10 on the last day of the regular season, and then absolutely crushed Indiana, which is a preseason top 15 team this year, by 29 points in the first round of the NCAA tournament as a five seed. It was an excellent year for the St. Mary's program. And although they do have a couple of significant losses, Matthias Toss is leaving as well as Tommy Cousy, their starting point guard this past year, who was exceptional. I think that there is still plenty in the cupboard for this St. Mary's program to do some serious damage once again. I think Aiden Mahaney, their freshman guard, he's expected to be kind of their leading floor general this upcoming season. There's a lot of buzz from him being a freshman starter on the St. Mary's team and putting him alongside Logan Johnson, who may very well be the best defender in the conference, if not on his own right, at least outside of any programs named Gonzaga. I think he's just a great lockdown defender. He's 
got a lot to his game and is just a ferocious competitor. And then you also bring back guys like Alex Dukas, who's a senior, Kyle Bowen, who's a senior. Some of these other guys like Mitchell Saxon has some experience. Mason Forbes comes over. He's a guy from Harvard. He's probably a name that rings the bell. He averaged about 26, 27 minutes a game this past season. I think there's a lot here for St. Mary's to still be a very, very good team this upcoming season. They might not have the high-end talent like they did when they had, say, Jock Landale, um, but I, I still think that this team is going to be at least within striking distance within the WCC, and it was a conference that had a lot of headlines this past season, particularly in, in non-conference play of what these teams were able to do St. Mary's and San Francisco both getting in to the NCAA tournament Lawrence Gonzaga but I think once again the WCC should be really really good BYU is almost always a factor and even though it might be a bit of a down year for them I'd expect them to at least hover around the bubble conversation San Francisco I've mentioned on this podcast even with Jamari Bouye leaving, even with Todd Golden leaving, I, I like the Dons quite a bit. They had some really good pickups in the offseason. Ghost Roberts is coming over from Washington State. Um, Tony Rosak's coming over from UC San Diego. They have a big man from Georgia Tech coming over as well, who should be able to start down low and bring a ton of size. And then even beyond that, Portland is another program that's on the rise. And it's unfamiliar because the Pilots have been quite easily the weakest team in the WCC for several seasons. But Shante Legans, after coming over from Eastern Washington, he led Portland to a 7-7 and record this past year. They have a ton of guys back. A lot of these players are Eastern Washington transfers who can really, really fill it up. This team is going to have absolutely no problem scoring. And they're participating in the PK-85 tournament down in Portland here in November. So that'll be really fun to see what these guys look like against the nation's best. Their first game is against what will likely be the number one ranked team in the country, UNC, at that time. So there's a lot of buzz around the WCC. I know Gonzaga gets a ton of hype, and reasonably so. But that two through four, two through five in this conference should be really, really good once again. So I'm intrigued to see how this all sorts out because there are several teams that could be in the mix and into that two to four range, which typically puts you in at large conversation. So I'm curious to see how this one unfolds. Yeah, I agree with you. Obviously, Gonzaga is going to be the cream of the crop when it comes to the WCC. But I totally agree with you on San Francisco. I actually think that San Francisco has a shot to be able to finish second. In that conference, I recognize that losing Todd Golden to Florida, who I think is going to be able to do good work there, that is a little bit of a loss. But still, you mentioned it with bringing in Tyler Relicos Roberts, being able to keep so much of the roster from last year as well, because that was not easy because you had Jamari Boye and Kabalil Shabazz out there in the backcourt bringing back Shabazz. Part of that just dynamic duo I think is going to be massive for the San Francisco team, but not quite as massive as being able to get your insights on this podcast, Eli. You do absolutely amazing work over there at Heat CBB. I know you guys are hard at work for the upcoming college basketball season. I'm talking about Todd Golden. I know that you guys actually have a piece up on Heat CBB that you guys posted Monday evening about him as well. So very good read there. And I know that you've got a lot going on. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and everything that you've got going on in general. Absolutely. Well, as always, Greg, I really appreciate hopping on the podcast. Can't believe the season is finally almost here within just a week now. We've got a ton going up on the website, dropped our top 25 on Monday. It's really starting to starting to come clear into the picture. So we've got a number of features that are coming down the pike and just really excited to get this new season started. We have a lot of great content coming your way. So really excited to get this thing going and all of our content as always can be found on heatcheckcbb.com our social handles as well, he checks CBB and it's finally time 
time. You know, we've been waiting all off season to get this thing rolling. Now it's finally here. It's the best time of year to get this thing going. Oh, no question about it. It is the best time of year. And Eli, one of the best men to take a look at the great game of college basketball. And I know that he's had some great calls over the year. He was one of the people, much like myself, was on Oral Roberts when they were That's able to right. take down Ohio right. State a few years ago. That's one of the biggest feathers in, I'm sure, your cap. It certainly yes. is for mine as well. We both love that moment, and we both love college basketball, and that's why we get Eli aboard, because he always delivers and gets on this podcast. Big thanks to him for joining me on Coast Coast Hoops, now part of the Beast Family Podcast. And coming up next, it's that time of the podcast to give you a little bit of a recap as to the news and notes that we saw in college basketball Monday. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. And we're back to Monkey Las Vegas for Coast Coast Hoops with myself, Craig Hoops Pearson, now a part of the Beast and Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to get Eli Becker aboard. Does amazing work over at EchecCBB, just taking a look at the great game of college basketball. I know that he is doing a ton to get set for the upcoming college basketball season. So, big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast that 
give you a little bit of a roundup as to all the news and nuts that we've seen in college basketball over the last 24 hours. Seems like you've got UCLA going through a few injuries as Mac Etienne is currently practicing with the team, according to Coach McCronin, while Will McClendon is currently out of the fold. I was sort of thinking that Will McClendon was probably not going to be in for this upcoming first part of the season. And when it comes down to it for UCLA, they should have a little bit more depth this season. ATN was able to do a little bit a few seasons ago last year. He did not play at all. Will McClendon, he missed all of last season as well. A relatively highly regarded guy, as a matter of fact, a guy that comes from Lovey Las Vegas. A top 75 recruit should be a solid shooter for the team. And you got to figure that when it comes to conference play, McClendon is probably going to be back out there, but currently dealing with a knee injury. So he is out of the fold. The biggest piece of news, in my opinion, Courtney Ramey is going to be serving a three-game suspension as a result of playing in the Portsmouth Invitational, which I am not sure what the Portsmouth Invitational is, but that's what I do know is that we are not going to be seeing Courtney Ramey out there on the court for three games of the season. He is playing for the Texas Longhorns last season and has been consistent throughout his career. Last year, 9.5 points, 3.5 boards, very good plus defender. Shot 35% from three, which was right in the middle of what he had shot the previous two seasons. During the 2019-20 season, shot 31.5% from three, 41.5% from distance the next season. And someone who I think is going to be a double-figure score for Arizona, certainly going to be playing in a little bit more of an up-tempo style, is able to give you a few assists per contest, not a dominant ball handler, but that said, someone that is able to go out there and do a relatively solid job, so, and it's certainly something to be taking a look at, something else to be taking a look at, as well as Jaden Akins, I've been noting his injury, and as things sit right now, there is no specific target date for his return, according to Tom Izzo. Someone who was a big breakout candidate for a lot of folks. Someone who averaged right around three and a half points, two and a half boards per contest last season. But I think that he's got a lot of potential to be a double figure scorer, but has yet to be able to get out there on the floor in general. So that is a big giant loss for Michigan State if they are going to be without him, which opening night you got to figure that they are certainly going to be without him. What happens from there, that is going to be the question, but they are certainly going to be without him to begin the season, and on top of that, when he does return, you got to figure that some of the chemistry is going to be a little bit of an issue as well, so we shall see what happens on that front. We've got a little bit more information on the severe Wheeler injury that I was talking about late on the podcast. Yesterday, the Kentucky Wildcats were playing against a D2 school in a little bit of an exhibition matchup, and John Calipari on a radio show on Monday said that Xavier Wheeler, and I'm taking this quote directly from Kyle Tucker over there at The Athletic, is, and I air quotes here, fine, and John Calipari said that Wheeler's injury is short-term, so you do want to check in on his status for the game against Howard. That is something that you do want to be taking note of, but that's that you got to figure that when it comes to something like the Champions Classic that Kentucky is going to be pushing for Wheeler to play, so probably going to affect my handicap a little bit of that hour game because even if he does play you got to figure that he's going to be a little bit limited and Kentucky all of a sudden dealing with a few injuries as Oscar Sheboy he's already been dealing with that knee injury he did not play in that exhibition his status is up in the air for opening night against Howard as well as I know that he was noted to be really putting no weight on his leg and that is something that you do want to be noting he was in a boot and I think that he was carrying crutches when Meyer Medcalf had seen him a week or two ago as well so 
Kentucky, they are currently dealing with some injury issues, but the good news is it seems like Xavier Wheeler, he survived a little bit of a scare that we saw over the weekend, so that is something that is refreshing to see. And we got a few more answers on another injury that I was talking about a few weeks ago as well. This is directly from Bradley Basketball's official Twitter handle, Rink Massey talented big man. He is going to be out according to their tweet between four to eight weeks, which that's not necessarily the world's greatest timeline as he is currently dealing with an MCL injury and gotta think that there was a little bit of surgery that was done to that as there was an MCL strain with rink mass so gotta figure that with it currently being as I do this podcast October 31st you're gonna be hearing this November 1st that he's gonna be good to go for Missouri Valley Conference play they're probably gonna be holding out out for much of if not all of non-conference play and this is a big blow for a Bradley team that really relied upon him last season he was a team's top rebounder eight and a half rebounds per contest nearly a block per game 11 and a half points per contest did see a drop in his three-point shooting from when he was freshman. Shot 36% from three-point range as a freshman last year. 28.5% from three. He's a six-foot-nine, little bit of a combo player that comes over from the continent of Europe. So that is something to really take note of, especially for Bradley in the non-conference portion of the season. But that's going to be big for the Braves, a team that I put in the top three in my projector finish for the Missouri Valley Conference. So that is a big note right there. And right now we're awaiting the other Manhattan guys that are Entered into the transfer portal, what they're going to be doing, Sambadiallo, along with Omar Silviero. They have yet to make their decisions, as I noted that yesterday, Jose Perez, he is going to be going to West Virginia. And we just don't know, like we were talking about with our good friend Eli Becker, as to what's going to be happening with that ordeal, if we're going to be seeing him out there on the floor this season. But what we are going to be seeing is a whole bunch of college basketball this season. And I'm glad that you guys are going to be along for the ride. I always do appreciate you guys tuning in. And if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, when I have you for this podcast, you have one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters ZM. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. And the other way, that is find an Apple Podcast review. If you're at this podcast, five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to fire on whatever you'd like here on this podcast by that five-star review. Big thanks to Eli Becker. Does absolutely amazing work over there at HeatCheckCBB. He's the founder of that great platform. He joined me in the last segment. I will be coming at you guys every single day on this podcast, which means I'll be coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.